Welcome to the podcast. This is Steve, and I am Brad. Hello, I am Brad Robot. <laughs> this is Steve Robot. We are here to fix your dishwasher. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Dude, we're about to miss the 80s cruise. Spearsy, catch up. <laughs> I can't understand a word you're saying. Take that food out of your mouth. <laughs> I was saying, help me, Brad. I'm choking on a Sonic Chili Dog flavored Slim Jim. Oh, my God. Why did you bring one of those with you? One of those? My whole carry-on is filled with them. I thought we'd give away the ones I don't eat as trivia swag. The cruisers are going to kill us. Well, if the meat sticks don't get them first. Don't worry. I also brought the usual bribes we give to all the trivia guests. Uh, Funko Pops, Pop Rocks, uh, vials of Mark Goodman's hair, the works. And my cocktail onions. You brought those, right? They're packaged right next to the Slim Jims, safe as a kitten. Uh, you posted a new podcast before you left, right? Uh, is that a yes noise? Uh, hey, look, there's Terry Nunn from Berlin and Berlin to Carlisle. They're waving us up to their private cabin. Stop changing the topic, dude. You posted the podcast. Yes? Come see us soon, Spearsy and Brad. We covet your onions. Wait, Really? Well, there's a euphemism I haven't heard before. Sucker. Okay, how about I just post a repeat show featuring an interview with Modern English, and uh, you get that bottle of gin ready. The adventure's about to begin. Ah, cue the music, maestro. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your buddy Spearsy. And Brad in his ancestral home of Los Angeles. And today, we apologize. I'm sorry! Yes, we're sorry. We haven't recorded a new pod in forever. So we're trying to make it up to you by recording a mostly new show featuring an interview with Robbie Gray of Modern English. I'm not sorry I took the money! (laughs) Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported via Patreon. Join us for exclusive Zoom happy hour. Get shout-outs in the show. Text us at 3 in the morning. Send Brad weird photoshopped photos of his feet. And uh, enjoy new blog content when you join us for as little as $2 a month on patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Leave my feet out of it, dude. Uh, We'd also like to give a shout out to the 80s cruise. Even though we're headed out to sea in about a week, the 2023 voyage is about to go on sale. And in a few days, we hope to be able to announce the lineup of artists playing on the cruise. To find out more, go to, you know it, you love it. It's www.the80scruise.com. Yes, gang, uh, we're sorry about not having posted a new show in almost a month. 
I'm sorry about the impromptu comment about Brad's feet. I don't know where that came from. I, I'm going to br- blame the nitrates, I think, from the Slim Jim. Mm, yeah. You're a method actor, aren't you? You actually were choking on a Slim Jim. It was a Slim Jim, right? In, in my defense, it was a very long Slim Jim. <laughs> oh, sweet <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, (laughs) podcast, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So, here's the deal. So, back in 2011, long before Slim Jim's ruined Wreck the Buffet (laughs) at the the Harrow Club, I recorded an interview with Robbie Gray, lead singer of Modern English. It was episode 246. Modern English was doing a, a tour of the U.S. They were playing smaller clubs, and they were coming through Tampa Bay. This was back when... The old, the very olden days of the podcast. Yeah, that's before I came on the show. Yeah, that's crazy. About a year, about a year or two before yeah. you came on the show. I mean, not to say that things didn't happen before I got here because a lot did, but <laughs> but uh, we had a chance to talk. So this is a this is a podcast that features an interview that's eleven years old, ten years old. Doesn't matter. <laughs> eleven. I can't count. Again, I blame the sodium. You know, it's it's Seven funny. And a half. It's funny because I mean if. It, People who are patrons of, of the podcast and come to the Zoom happy hours know that I, I have a – I used to, to wave around this little Sonic chili dog flavored Slim Jim. And it, it literally is about, I don't know, 12 or 15 inches long. And I always I always had it – it was kind of like a prop during our – It's like a writing crop. Yeah. <laughs> it probably would have hurt as bad as one. And I, the other day I actually did eat it. and You did? I did. What, I, wait, I, t- tell me you took some video or something. No, but I texted you. You didn't save this moment for science? I text. I either texted you or, or I IM'd you, and you didn't respond, so you probably were busy, which is good. But I ate it. <laughs> it. Now, it was three months past the expiration date. I will say that. Oh, that's an infinite shelf life food. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And I ate it, and, and I'll, I'll say <clears throat> this. Tasted nothing like a chili dog. <laughs> nothing. Huh. But, I mean, I haven't had one in a long time, so that was always my go-to at Sonic. Yeah. In later years, I've kind of gone to the burgers. Really? I made the mistake. I think I talked about this on the show. I made the mistake of going on the Sonic website and looking at the nutritional information for the footlong chili cheese dog, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's literally going to kill me while I eat it. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a time when a chili dog would have been a perfectly acceptable breakfast item to me. You know, oh yeah, living in the Spears Lair. Married life has changed that for me. Now I, I have a couple slices of toast. <laughs> mm, delightful. Yeah, my friend Dean and I used to go to Sonic for lunch, eh, probably a couple times a week when we were in high school, and I would have footlong chili cheese dog and order of onion rings and a big soda. What this has to do with Robbie Gray of Modern English has yet to be determined. It's it's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's an R in rings, onion rings, and there's an R in Robbie. That's there it, you go. and modern English for that matter. Oh, anyway, good point. the point being, I just I had I just had to purge myself, literally and figuratively, of the of the of the <laughs> Slim Jim story, and and tell people that we we might actually really will bring those on the cruise, depending on uh, how fast supply chain yeah, supply chain issues it could be that. Anyway, so modern English was on the cruise, the very first. 80s cruise back in 2016 and we had them as guests for trivia and they were great nicest guys yes nicest guys great storytellers they're coming back on next week's cruise to perform so looking forward to seeing them there they won't they won't be one of our trivia guests this time we have um john easdale from drama rama and paul young as a trivia guest we can 
we can now officially oh, yeah. announce. Oh, yeah. But um, here's the fun part. I mean, this is the part that applies to the rest of the people who are listening to the show who are not coming on the cruise. When the ship returns to port, assuming they, they allow us to dock, <laughs> Modern English kicks off a North American tour beginning hmm. in Florida, literally like the day of or the day after we get back. Yeah. And they wind through the U.S. and Canada before a final date uh, in late September in Buffalo, because why not? Um, and for this tour, they're performing their album After the Snow in its entirety. Oh, that's great. I didn't know that. I, I had After the Snow. I think I traded I had a, I had After the Snow. Traded it for a Slim Jim? No, I traded it for um, H2O by um, Hall & Oates. Hmm. Wow, that album is 40 years old. I know. I guess that's why they're touring it. Yes. It's amazing. So sit back and enjoy this interview with Robbie Gray of Modern English. We'll be back afterwards with a brand new edition of The Seggies. First of all, thanks for talking to me. I got to admit, it was a real thrill just to get an email that had your name on it. Yeah, it was. It's all for a good cause. I remember reading the news last week that you know, the original lineup of Modern English was coming back and touring. What is it like to be back with the original gang again? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I mean, we've toured um, the East Coast last year and the West Coast in Canada a little bit. And uh, to be on stage and look around and see people that I've known since I was 16 years old. And I'm now, you know, a lot older than that. <laughs> <laughs> to look around on stage and see uh, those faces and still playing really well and still with a lot of passion. It's fantastic. There's always been like a love affair that it seems like the United States has had with modern English. It's, it's, you see just a handful of English bands that seem to really connect here almost better than they do at home. How do you explain that? I really don't know is the answer to that. I think MTV helped um, with us. Um, you know, back in the day of videos, I mean, we, we recorded a video you know, for like a thousand bucks. And it was one of the most played um, videos on MTV. You know, when it first started in the first couple of years, it was transmitting uh, when it was still a music channel rather than a style channel, you know. And, um, you know, Michael Jackson was the first black person ever to be played on MTV. That was like 1982, 83. And also, um, I Melt With You had been used in the film Valley Girl, which was... Uh, Nicholas Cage's sort of breakthrough movie, and that did really well with the with the youth of America. So I don't I don't really know why that certain bands from England do really well in in America. I can understand why you two would do well because they're sort of anthem, sort of stadium type music. Um, but I don't know why. I think the song I melt with you just just uh, hooked into so many people, not just in America but but worldwide, really. I remember seeing, I don't remember if I saw or heard I Met With You the first time on MTV, but I certainly remember it from Valley Girl, which was, you know, growing up as a teenager in the 80s, one of the more important movies to me. And it appears twice, and it's, how about, how did that come about? How did how did you end up in that movie? I have no idea, to be honest, because we were, the band were on the road. We were doing a tour of 80 concerts in 100 days. I mean, we were on the road, you know, they were working us like dogs, basically. <laughs> and uh, we were going all around America, and we just heard about this film, and we were living on a massive bus with beds on it and, and sort of front rooms, like a house, really. And uh, we got sent this film, and we just sat down one night after a concert and watched it, and they used I Melt With You in it, I think, three times. 
And in one scene, it was, you know, used all the way through, like the whole song, which is really unusual. Normally you get a 10 or 20 second segment in a movie, but, you know, it was in there three times and one time all the way through. We didn't really have much to do with it. That would have been to do with our management, I'd imagine. In fact, it's being used in a new movie as well. Um, we've recorded a new, mo- new version of I Melt With You for a Mark Pellington movie, which, uh, funnily enough, is called I Melt With You. And it's got Rob Lowe, Jeremy Pivins, and a host of other people in it. Um, and it's a really kind of dark film. It's a really interesting movie. It's coming out in November, I think, in the States. Right. I, I heard the... Uh... I've heard I've heard the new version of the song. It's it's available for free download on on your site. It, it is. It's a spooky, uh, creepy, slowed down version. It's it's fun to listen to. I'll stop the world and melt with you. You've seen the difference, and it's getting better all the time. There's nothing you and I. I mean, it's just the film, you know, that's a kind of just the, the film's a bit spooky, slowed down as well. It's really good. I, I really, really am excited about being involved in the project because it's a fantastic cutting edge movie, you know. Um, yeah, and you can, and, and that's a good point. It'd be great if people would go onto the Modern English uh, artist page on Facebook and um, download the free version because. Um, it's worth it. It's, it's it's very interesting. We worked on it for quite a long time to get that kind of feel to it, that darker sort of feel. Is there something about that song in particular that makes? I mean, you re-recorded it in 1990 for uh, Pillowlips. Yeah. What what was the thinking behind re-recording it then? To be really honest with you, that that was the record company. They said we'll sign you, but we want you to re-record "I Melt with You." And you know, and we were we weren't doing very well at that time, so we did, and we didn't know what to do with it, to be honest, because. We didn't know whether we, you know, what kind of style to do it in, so we pretty much re-recorded it, you know, being faithful to the original version with a different producer. Uh, Hugh Jones did the original, and um, Pat Collier did the kind of the cover of the cover kind of thing on um, Pillow Lips. Moving forwards, using all my breath, making love to you was never second best. All around your face Never really knowing It was always Mesh and lace I have to ask you Back in, in the early 80s When you record the album After the Snow and Which has a lot of great songs on it Including um, two of my personal favorites are our, our Life in the Glad House And Someone's Calling And you have this sudden success with I Melt With You, which doesn't really sound like a modern English song at all. Did that? Did the success of that song kind of catch you off guard? Yeah, it's been a kind of a, a fantastic thing. I mean, I'm not going to complain about I Melt With You. It, it pays my bills every year, you know. But uh, it has been a bane in a way as well, because sometimes you'll play a club or a venue or a concert somewhere, and it's the only song that some people know. And a lot of our other stuff, you know, it's a lot edgier. Um, I mean, we're playing Someone's Calling and Life in the Glad House on, on the tour coming up in Florida. Excellent. And um, and, and some stuff uh, even earlier than that on the Mesh and Lace album, which is a really dark album, you know. 
uh, songs like Mood in Light and Black Houses will be playing live. A really early single on 4AD called Swans on Glass. There's a lot more to Modern English than I Melt With You, but we were taken completely off guard because what happened with I Melt With You was we were recording some fresh songs and we heard that in America they were playing I Melt With You on import. It wasn't even released there. The radio stations just picked up on it. And one guy played it, and then another guy played it, and it, got, it just caught fire right across the States, and it wasn't even on a release. It was actually on an import. And then there was a kind of bidding war between all these record companies to sign us to get it out on a release in America, and Sire uh, Records did it, uh, Warner Brothers did it in the end. But um, I wouldn't say it, it... You know, we can't complain about it, because every time we play it, it's just fantastic audience reaction, you know? It, it always caught me off guard. I remember I traded... I traded like a like a Hall and Oates album to my friend for his copy of After the Snow, and I remember listening to it all the way through, going, "I love these songs." And then there's this one song, which I love a lot, but it doesn't sound like modern English at all. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know. When, even when we were writing it, and I was writing the lyrics, it it had something about it. I don't know what you know. I think it's the kind of liveliness of it, the up tempo. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's anthemic, because it's not really, but yeah. it, it does come across sometimes when we're playing live like that, when the crowd sing along and hand claps get involved. I, th- I think it's that classic thing. It's it's a love song, isn't it, of sorts? It is. And they just always seem to be things that people relate to, so that's probably got a lot to do with it. Well, I mean, the lyrics are great, the imagery is perfect, and then I think everyone kind of gets attached to the... Um the one uh, moment in the song where everything slows down and you just yeah, and you just yeah, the kind of humming along bit. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you weren't a fan of the song up until then, that gets you every time. I mean, it's mad. It's it's almost like say something like. I don't know, Procol Harum's White Shade of Pale. It's just a, it's a standard classic now. Yeah. You know, you kind of, it's just played all the time. I mean, it's been really good for us, to be honest with you. It, um, it's been called a perfect moment in pop. And I think to some degree that's a misnomer because it's never really kind of gone away. I mean, it seems to always have new life. It seems someone's always covering it. Um, yeah, that's true. Bowling for Soup did a cover where they had to change the lyrics from, I don't know if you knew about that, they changed the. Uh, making love to you is never second best to being friends with you is never second best. I remember that happened. I didn't understand any of that, but <laughs> it was for a for a kind of youth movie, wasn't it? I can't remember what it's called. Sky High. That's Sky it. Sky High or Spike. I forget which one. Yeah. Um, the um, and then of course it has it's achieved like a second life in commercials um, these days. God, yeah. I mean, it's been in. I can't tell you how many commercials. It's been in so many commercials. T-Mobile. Nouvelle Vague did a cover version of that I Melt With You. It was used in um, a T-Mobile advert, and then we had the Hershey bars thing that's still going on now for the third year. Do you, have to, do you have to okay all those? or um, They do ask us. I mean, there's not, I, mean I, wouldn't, I don't have a problem with any of it. Um, there was a problem when we did the Burger King one, because at the time our keyboard player was a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> so he did a little complaining, and when I told him how much the money was, he seemed quietened down, though. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you about this tour. Um, I, saw that the, I saw the dates had come out, and it's, it's a lot of Florida tours, which is very unusual for us, because we're kind of used to bands skipping over Florida. So why, why, the, why are we so lucky this time around? 
Well, it's just we haven't been down there for so long. You know, we've been um, all over the, the kind of major parts of the East Coast and the West Coast and, you know, Chicago and Canada. Why not, you know? It would just come down there. We're going to fly into Atlanta and play in Atlanta. And then we're going to come through to Florida, and we've got six dates in Florida, I think. And then we're going back to Atlanta and possibly Nashville. And there might even be more dates added to this, but at the moment, it's just a short sort of stop, uh, I think about 10, 10 to 11 days. But Florida's fantastic. I mean, you know, we want to come to Florida. <laughs> I've heard stories. Everyone, has, everyone I know has a modern English story about seeing you somewhere interesting. And a lot of the times I hear stories about, like, uh, oh, I saw him on spring break in Daytona Beach one year. Yeah, right? that was a big one. Yeah, that's the story I always hear. What was so special yeah. about that show? Oh, it's just fantastic. I mean, we, we were just, just breaking at that moment. We were just breaking. I mean, this is how naive we were as Englishmen. We got off the plane in Daytona Beach wearing coats. <laughs> you know, we were wearing winter clothes. We were literally walking down the gangplank taking all our clothes off, you know. It was so bloody hot. I mean, and that night, I remember we went to the venue in, in Daytona, and the guy said, you can, you know, play outside in the open air, and we didn't really, we'd never done anything like that before. You know, we were we were a club sort of venue band in England, 200 people. So we we got a bit scared by that. And we said, no, we want we want to play indoors. And God almighty, did we, they couldn't get all the people in. There was about 5,000 people outside. There's 5,000 people inside. The All the, the moisture coming off all the walls was incredible. And I mean, the crowd just went absolutely nuts. That's probably why... People remember that. I remember, I remember coming off stage and just, I'd never seen a crowd reaction like it before for us. It was incredible. Yeah, Daytona Beach is a special place. Uh, when you're here in September, I'm telling you right now, don't bring any coats. <laughs> I'll try not to this time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about 94 degrees here with about 90% humidity, and, and coats will be uh, the least of your problems. Well, I live, I live in Thailand in the winter, so I, I kind of I'm used to sort of hot temperatures. That's good. Hey, um, last year, uh, I think it was last year, 2010, Modern English had a, a brand new album called Soundtrack. Yeah. And um, on there, there are two uh, two songs that I, I absolutely love: um, "It's Okay" and uh, "Here Comes the Failure." H- how much of the new material we're going to be hearing on this uh, tour? I will be playing "It's Okay," and we'll probably be playing the, the title track of the album, Soundtrack. Um, it's uh, just I really like this album I really do it's, we got back together with Hugh Jones who did all the early stuff including I Melt With You and we got the artist who did all the early artwork Vaughan Oliver to do the sleeve for it I had a feeling of you know everything coming back together really and um, I really like the album we'll definitely be playing two or three tracks from it but it's okay. One of the uh, trends I've noticed these days, um, especially from, from English acts, is 
to come together to to reform the original lineup and then to perform one of their early, more classic albums in yeah. the, in their entirety. Has there ever been any temptation to to go to go back and either do Mesh and Lace or After the Snow for just one tour? We'd love to. I mean, that is something we talked when we got back together. We talked about that. Our management talked about that. We were totally interested in sort of doing, I don't know, like a small theatre, you know, and having all the original artwork as the sort of stage design and, and playing everything, you know, from after the snow, you know, with, with violins and all that. But it all costs so much money. That's the bottom line. To do that, we'd have to have people paying quite a lot of money to put us on, and therefore the ticket prices would have to be really high. But, we, yeah, we'd love to do it. It, it. it would just have to come together in a way that worked for everybody, including the promoters, you know. I don't think, they're, I don't think they think they can sell that enough tickets to, to cover that, I don't think. Yeah, that's a shame because that's, that's really one of those albums that I think people need to hear again, and to hear it live would be such a treat. Yeah, and to do, you know, from start to finish one album would be really good fun for us. We've never done that before. Yeah, I just uh, Psychedelic Furs just came through a few months ago with doing Talk, Talk, Talk all the way through. Really? Yeah. Um, what they, sort of size venues were they playing? They were playing um, 500 seats. Yeah, so we're doing this. Yeah, that, that's what we'd look to do. You know, 500 to 1,000 theater sort of shows. But that's something, you know, once we get completely up and running, we'll, we'll definitely think about that in the future. I mean, in between all that, we, we've got, um, we've just played in Paris and back in London, and we played all over this last weekend, which has been a holiday here. We played a big festival on Saturday night, and last night we played a club in my local town, and we just had an absolutely brilliant time. It's been brilliant this weekend. Mirrored windows, reflective skyline, distant structures, captures my view, isolation, close behind me, darkness my stand, white shapes on glass. It's it's such a pleasure to hear you back together and 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 having a good time and excited about touring again. I've never really I've never really gone away from music. If I'm honest, I've always even when I wasn't working in modern English, I was writing stuff at home. You know, I don't think you can stop that. It's something that you know is part of what I do. Part of me, really. We've been writing new songs again, which is great to work with all the original members and sit round and write new stuff. Is it's just fantastic. So. There will be something coming out in the future. In what sort of form, we don't know. It'll probably be through the internet. Um, I'm not really sure. It's a, such a strange time for the for the sort of music business in general. It, you know, we talked to lots of different companies about lots of different ideas about how to go forward. Really, it's tough. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, you you grew up in an, we you and I both grew up in an album world, and now we're in a digital world. Yeah, I can't believe that kids don't want to actually feel that the. You know, look at the artwork and feel the, the sort of, you know, the vinyl or the CD, or and look at it and hold it. Just to take the music directly from the internet seems seems odd to me. You know. Yeah, to me, I have to hold music to to really understand. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sad. I mean, I, I remember queuing up, you know, to buy the, the new Joy Division album. I'd be waiting outside the shop. You know, it's. I suppose it's just the way it is. It's a modern modern way of. Uh, I mean, I, I just heard a, a story this week with Morrissey. You know, from the Smiths. He's recorded a whole album, and you know, and he can't even get a record deal. Huh. You know, because people just don't buy records anymore. Don't don't buy albums or CDs at all. Ninety five percent of the sales of soundtrack are on downloads. Huh. Jeez. You know, it's just 
a different it's a different world out there now. So for us, we have to you know be careful at how we work it. We've got to you know make sure we make the right moves to get to get back you know into the limelight. Right. It's not like I can uh, bring my iPod to you and ask me and ask you to sign it for me. You know. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> Yeah, I would, yeah. I would cherish it just the same, though. I mean, I just love playing live, and, and my, my favorite thing of all is writing the new songs, you know, that first moment when you create a song and you know it's going to be good. That That's my, the most exciting moment. But uh, also playing concerts, like the concert we had uh, two nights ago in Alborough in Suffolk, which is my hometown, was, was, was unbelievably good. I mean, you, you can't get any... Uh, you couldn't get any better than that. You know, it's something that... As an artist, you know, you dream about these sort of nights. It's brilliant. That's, that's I think people appreciate, you know, we're, we're growing up in the world of Justin Bieber <laughs> and X Factor and, you know, American Idol and all this stuff that interests me not at all. And I think people are starting to get a bit bored with it all, you know, and they want some real live music again that, that's got some integrity, you know, that's not, you know, terrible music. That, that, I don't know. I, I don't understand all that stuff. I think the world needs to hear more modern English and a lot less Justin Bieber. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> hey, hey, Robbie, it's been great talking to you. Um, I look forward to seeing you here in uh, Tampa Bay uh, later in September, and I wish you all the best. Well, thanks very much, Steve. There he is, Robbie Gray from Modern English. Fun conversation. Yeah, cool guy. If you get a chance to catch him, go to, I think it's modernenglish.me is their official website, and they will have their tour dates there. I think they start in West Palm Beach, and they, I think, three or four dates in Florida, then they just they just circle the country, and they got a couple dates in Canada, so it'll be a fun tour. Lots of, lots of chances to catch them. Worth your time. You know, it's worth your time. The, the Seggies. Ah, the mystical refrain that is listener mailbag. I, I, I got to come up with a new shtick this year. I can't keep saying mystical refrain. Hmm. <laughs> okay, folks, send in your adjectives to podcast at sit80s.com, and we will audition them using the Stevatronic auditionator to determine the most efficacious adjectives. It's, it's weird. I, we, we have like very, 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 very sketchy notes. Yeah, I'd say that's and, fair. But it doesn't say <laughs> Steve colon and now the mystical refrain of listener mailbag. It just says listener mailbag. And so <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a it's a little looser than that. This is not scripted television. <laughs> like it's more of a talk show, a bad talk show that got cancelled yeah, after did two I, nights, like Chevy Chase. I mean, did we mean to talk about Slim Jims for a half an hour? No, we did not. Are they a sponsor? No, they're not. We would like them to be. Our doctors probably would advise against it. This week we got an email from Shari, rhymes with Starry, in Michigan. And uh, Brad's going to read it. Yeah, uh, she's got some things to say. She has some things to say. And she said them. And now I will read them. <clears throat> from Shari, rhymes with Starry, in Michigan. Hello, Brad and Steve, and all of your many fabulous co-hosts. I, like many Gen Xers, have a love-hate relationship with this digital age we are living in. I really did not even know what podcasts were or the joy they could bring to my life until the pandemic hit and turned all our lives upside down. Like many, I was bored 
trapped in my house. So finally, with the urging of my more savvy friends, I decided to give this whole, air quotes, podcast, close air quotes, thing a try and take a break from my audiobooks. Yours, the first, yours was the first I discovered after putting 80s pop culture into the search box. Quick aside, that's how I found Stuck in the 80s way back in the Dark Ages. Same thing. Number one hit, baby. <laughs> uh. Back to the letter. I was immediately hooked, but unlike many, I did not go back to the first episode and listen up. Nope, not me. I did it backwards. I started with your most recent episode and listened all the way back to episode 275, Brad's first show. I did not go beyond that, but perhaps one day. I'm just too big a fan of the Brad and Steve combo to venture into past regular co-hosts. Another brief aside, you're pandering, and I love it. To say I adore your podcast is an understatement. I may be late to the party, but I am now a total fangirl and have the t-shirt to prove it. I dream that one day I will know a trivia answer and win a much-sought-after postal-friendly bottle opener. I graduated in 1988, so I relate to both of you and the rest of Stuck in the 80s Nation who regularly write in to share their love of all things 80s. I spent my middle school years in Winter Park, Florida, Steve. I was very socially awkward at that time in my life, and a Michigan Yankee transplant on top of that. That school building was torn down years ago, but the memories still haunt me. I have a few things in common with Brad as well. I, too, made my minimum wage in the wonderful world of candy hustling, ticket tearing, aisle sweeping, and helping people find their seats with my trusty mini flashlight in the pitch dark. Oh, you got a flashlight? I just told him to go find a chair. <clears throat> like Brad, my job at the movie theater made up a large part of my social life. The free movies and the awesome movie posters were worth wearing the polyester vest and bow tie, plus free popcorn, still to this day one of my favorite snacks. I'm back in Michigan and have been since the late 80s. High school was no picnic, but I had my movie job and managed to find my people, which brings me to thing number two that I share with Brad in a very roundabout way. One of my very best friends from high school fell in love and followed her hubby to California, and they have lived in Santa Clarita for the last 15 years or so. When I was listening backward and discovered that that's where Brad lived, I immediately called her. Yes, she knows I'm a big 80s nerd and still loves me. You know, I haven't seen her at the club meetings, but maybe she just hasn't joined our local chapter of 80s Nation. I'll, I'll keep my eyes open. Okay, I know this is long, but I just wanted to share how much this podcast has meant to me during this past crazy two years. I'm a public youth librarian, and I know people think the public library is the zen place, but I assure you, during this time, we had to reinvent, just like everyone else. When I have been at my wit's end, knowing I had stuck in the 80s to listen to on my long commutes to and from work made it so much better. I thank you two so much, as well as your array of guest hosts, for being one of the bright spots in this rather dark time. I know you both have very busy lives and marvel that you keep dropping episodes. As long as you do, I will be listening. Thank you again from the bottom of my Back to the Future and America's Top 40 loving heart for keeping me firmly stuck in the 80s. Nice letter. Wow. Um, boy, I think she she she's owed a, a postal friendly bottle opener just for the the letter, don't you, Brad? <clears throat> yeah, content. We love content. <laughs> Winter Park, Florida. So she went to middle school in Winter Park, Florida. So Winter Park is literally the town like wedged right up against where I live, which is Castleberry, technically. Okay. Okay. And uh, Winter Park is like where you dream of growing up if you live in Central Florida. It's it's very <clears throat> very highfalutin, <laughs> as we would say, mm. Castleberry. <laughs> And uh, I learned how to ski in Winter Park. I think it was a different. Winter it was a park. different Winter Park. You would learn to water ski in Winter Park, Florida. Oh. In fact, Water Ski Magazine, which I'm not sure if it still exists, but it was founded in Winter Park, Florida, by the company that I work for today, 
So there. Oh, cheap, huh. cheap uh, promo there. Fun fact. So yeah, it's um, it's it's a, a Winter Park Junior High. I don't know where the new building is. I remember, I remember, I know where Winter Park High School is. But yeah, it is. It's it's a the school that everybody wishes they went to. Anyway, if you have a letter for us, we love to hear your stories, especially the backstories, especially if you. Follow yourselves complimenting us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, you're pandering and we love it. Uh, the email address is podcast at sit80s.com. I love the new theme song to TV Party Tonight. Mm, it's so good. It's so good. You did such a good job. Let me just pander to you, Steve. When you came up with this new intro for TV Party Tonight, it kicked the old one so far to the curb that the there isn't a curb. It just kept going. You know where we came up with this? If I think about it correctly, I've, I got to think back. So this happened in New York, I think. I, I, I could be remembering wrong because recent history is not my thing. <laughs> but we're, we're more about the forty-year window here. Yeah, that's crystal clear. Stuff I did four months ago is complete mystery to me. Uh, you got married. You were in. You were in New York. That was three months ago, right? Three months. Uh, yeah, give or take. Anyway, you were in New York for one of your extended periods of time. And I was in New York um, with, with the future Mrs. Spearsy. And I came over to your place and we got really drunk and recorded the change up podcast. Remember that? Oh, that was glorious. <laughs> then we had, then we, then we spent like $450 on deli afterwards. Yep. Oh, and that was <laughs> glorious too. I didn't have any deli on my trip there. I was there for three weeks. And I didn't eat any good pastrami. I'm such an idiot. That's, that's probably good. Yeah, I think I could get away with it once. <laughs> anyway, so that was the episode when we came up with the new theme song to our. It was called my I want my I want my mystery TV theme song theme and song, now, which is yeah a little tortured. Let's face it. Yeah, it was never fun to say, but TV party tonight is fun to say. But I think that's when we came up with it. And um, if 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 you if you think we're wrong, please email us because we love getting emails about how we're wrong. We just get, tell us how awesome we are, and then you can insult us. We get I get. Not a week goes by where we don't get an email from someone saying we're wrong. <laughs> Rad, you ignorant slut. Amazingly, we usually forget to read those on the air. Yeah, weird how those get lost. I when know. We go to pull. I, I don't know, you know. Google Mail is so unreliable. Anyway, uh, from back in episode 623, which I believe was recorded in December. Oh, my gosh. Maybe even earlier. Maybe November. It's been a while. Anyway, pay attention. Here was the mystery TV theme song. That's Give Me a Break. Give me a break. Now I know what it takes. I'm putting a new face on the old one. Ready for anything. Playing with fate. Not a moment too late. Showing the whole world. Nothing can get me Break, give me a break. Break. That's exactly office. where my mind goes. Is like Kit Kat. Mm, I could go for a Kit Kat right now. Not my favorite. Can you tell I'm hungry? I haven't eaten breakfast yet. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a candy bar question on the cruise trivia that no one's going to get. I know. 
It's a good I feel, one. I feel bad about that. Oh, no. No. Stick it to him. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like it? Have a Slim Jim. Take it. Have some more. <laughs> ah! Anyway, this was kind of a tough one, but Brad's going to read the winners. Here we go. Winners this week include Brian in Columbus, Brian in San Francisco, Roman J. from somewhere in Maryland, Richard the Big Bunny, upcoming 80s cruise freshman Josh Massey in Atlanta, Jason Middlecoff, Scott in Perry, Georgia, and Dave Augie August. Uh, go ahead and spin the wheel. Let's find out who wins the uh, postal-friendly bottle opener. Ooh. Uh, looks like it's going to land on upcoming 80s freshman uh, John Massey in Atlanta. Okay, excellent. Uh, uh, we might actually just bring you one on the cruise. How about that, Josh? Yeah, so, Josh, I'll I'll pack one, and if for some reason we don't connect, um, send me your email, send me your address, and I'll mail it to you. But I am going to need to see ID. You know, if I got eighty people coming, oh yeah, I'm Josh Massey. I too am Josh Massey. <laughs> I am Spartacus. You can all burn in hell. Okay. <laughs> anyway, here's this week's mystery TV theme song. If you know it and want a postal friendly bottle opener, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. We'll be right back after this commercial break. One, two, one, two, three. Four. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. That chocolate crisp taste gonna make your day. And wherever you go, you hear the people say. Give me a break. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. I thought, let's play an old game we like to call, What's Your 80s Obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession? Okay, so you are familiar with the soundtrack to the movie Risky Business. I am. The Tangerine Dream tracks on that. Sure. And the crown jewel of that soundtrack, to me, is Love on a Real Train. Yes, I, I agree. It's this ethereal, just, oh, it's amazing, right? So I, I have a, a friend of mine who is about the same age as me, about the same age as us, and he sent me, I think it was Thursday night, I was in New York City, I was packing, and he sent me a text. He's like, this is the canonical version of this song. I'm like, how can anything be better than the original? And I put this on. It's a remix by a guy by the name of State Azure. Or that's his performing that hopefully his parents didn't name him state but i put this on i was i had my headphones on and i'm packing it and i turn on the tv and footloose was on so this sounds really strange i sat there on the couch and watched footloose with the volume down and this track on repeat for about 90 minutes and it was amazing <laughs> i just zoned out so I think uh, considering the number of times that I've listened to that track in the last 72 hours, I think it's safe to call that an obsession level uh, issue. I'm seeking help. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know that you need help. It was actually, here's something to think about. Doing that with a movie that you know really well, when you're not listening to it, but you are watching it, you see things like you notice stuff in the background and you just you see things a little differently. So that's kind of fun. 
Okay. I'm going to give it a try. I like that idea. Uh, here's my 80s obsession. So we, we, we talk about Patreon every once in a while on the show because, I mean, obviously that's that's how we support the show these days with listener contributions through Patreon. Thank you. Um, one of the – yes, thank you so much, really. I mean, uh, if we don't get a chance to call your name out every week, uh, I apologize. But uh, one of the things I've been doing, I think, since last three or four weeks now is I've blogged every weekday on Patreon. And so if you're a if you're a patron, you get it. I think you probably get an alert, maybe that there's new content available. But I haven't done that since like the early early days of stuck in the '80s. When I think for the first ten years of the podcast, I blogged every single day at least once, and sometimes like seven times Good a day. Good grief! Yeah, well, it's just I mean, if it was one of those days where it's like you know somebody there was an anniversary or somebody died or you know they announced a reboot of of some 80s show then then i would you know put that in there but for the last four weeks when we started patreon it was like every once in a while we'd put a blog item in there but i think it's been every weekday now for like the last four or five weeks and it's it feels good it feels good to to do that and have that be part of my morning i try to post it every morning by 10 and you are one disciplined bastard sorry mrs spears i didn't Uh, mean to insult you that way (laughs) please don't please don't kill me it's it's been a fun journey to to rediscover what it's like to to write about that again. It it's something that I just I lost that for a while and it's back and it feels feels I have good. To say it's I cool feel. to see the energy you're getting from doing it. It is fun and uh, I hope people uh, read it and enjoy it. Uh, we'll be back hopefully with one more show before we we head out to sea. Uh, but in the meantime, <laughs> here's Brad's obsession as uh, we remain here hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening.